And what is up, everyone? I'm Joe DeHoyos. I am the host of Beyond the Woodlines. And today I have with me author Gare Allen. How you doing, Gare? I'm doing well. Good evening, Joe. How are you? I'm doing good, man. You almost made me cry because we were talking about our dogs that have passed and <laughs> before we came on. And uh, I, I'm serious, man. I, I will get choked up if I talk about Atlas too long. I don't even like to say his name sometimes because it, it's... Yep. It, uh, it oh, yeah. I'm up. at the point where if I know in a movie that the dog isn't going to make it. I'm not watching that movie. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I remember watching, uh, what was the one with Tom Hanks, Turner and Hooch? Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though I was still, I wasn't young, young, but I was probably, I don't know, late teens when I saw that. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was tough for me to watch. Yeah. Did you see so Five much. Below? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, now that was done very well back, you know. It was. I actually saw that. I think it might have been before I got a dog, or maybe right when I got a dog. It was that long ago. But I could not watch it today. There's no way I can watch it today yeah. after uh, being on my second generation of dogs as an adult. No way. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is. I guess dogs have such a personality. They're, you know, I don't want to say they're the best pet, but they're definitely in a category on their own, <laughs> you know. You know, they're always happy to see me. And nope, I can't say that about anybody else that I know. <laughs> so there's right. something to that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't remember who said it. I want to say it was Mike Tyson. I, I don't want to quote him wrong, but I think it was him that said, lock your girlfriend up in the closet for 24 hours and lock your dog up in the closet for 24 hours and see who's happy to see you when you open the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's good. Uh, yeah, I love dogs, but uh, but yeah, man, you know, uh, I was on Facebook and I, I came across your, uh, I don't even know what group it was in, but I saw you and I started stalking you a little bit and uh, I, I saw your books, man, and that's that's what really kind of drew me to you and uh, got me interested. But before we get into your books, what got you into the whole paranormal field? So I had two two things kind of happen in my life. So when I was twelve years old. I had a strange experience where um, my bed actually levitated off the ground in my bedroom. And it was a strange evening. I was I went to bed and my bedroom was at the top of the stairs. And so I went to bed and I had the family dog at my feet and sleeping on the bed with me. And all of a sudden the bed wobbled and it and it lifted up. And I kind of and I was I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And so I was kind of trying to figure out what was happening. And before I could do anything, it just fell back down with a thud. And it was probably only up for a couple of seconds and in a couple of inches, but it was enough um, that my limbs moved when I went when I you know went back down. The dog jumped up, you know, kind of giving me confirmation that I wasn't just imagining something there. And right at that moment, my older brother had been coming up the stairs and he opened the door and he said, "What was that noise?" And I said, "Okay, I got further confirmation that you know something did actually happen. I wasn't dreaming it." And um, and I didn't say anything. I probably looked terrified and. He probably chalked it up to another weird little brother moment, you know, and just went on with his day. But um, I, that stuck with me for a long time. And then when I was 25, um, I turned into a, a plaza and there was a metaphysical bookstore. And I don't know why I literally was driving home and I just turned in and I went into this bookstore and I probably spent every day there for the next month getting a new book. I couldn't read them fast enough. And I was just devouring everything metaphysical, everything paranormal. And I, I to this day, I don't know what, what made me do that, but I had decided on that day that that was my new hobby. And 
now here I am, you know, 25, 30 years later, and I've written um, uh, 15 books, um, oh, most wow. of them about my paranormal and metaphysical experiences, um, and like everybody else, trying to make sense of them and understand, you know, what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. So what actually made you d d decide, I need to write about this? There, 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 was there a moment? Yeah, so when I first started reading the metaphysical books, um, reincarnation was a big one for me. I couldn't get enough of that. The thought that we live different lives and they were affecting us now in a way, it, it, it made perfect sense. You know, they, if a three-year-old almost drowns in a pool and the adult is scared of swimming, you know, any therapist will tell you that makes sense to them. So in my mind, and I'm like I said before, I'm kind of a left brain guy, a very analytical guy, it has to make sense to me in that way. And whether I drowned in the previous life that was 10 years earlier than my childhood or my childhood, does it really matter? If the memory's there, the memory's there. So it really gave me some good insight. So what happened was I had an experience. So up until that point in my mid-20s, I couldn't sleep with covers on my legs. I couldn't wear pajamas. I, I was very claustrophobic where my legs were concerned. Really weird. No idea why. And I tapped into this lifetime, the most recent one, where I was in a wheelchair for the last 11 years of my life. And once I kind of got into it and, and experienced it, and remembered things, that went away. I could, I could have the blankets on. I could wear pajamas if I wanted. It all just went away. And it clicked in my head. So... I started reading about divination and astral projection and alien abduction and all these other, you know, all these other crazy things that I never even considered before. And to answer your question, I wanted to write a metaphysical 101 book to, to kind of share my experiences and say, this is what happened to me and this is how it helped me. Because I started, you know, meditating and I started getting dreams that helped me make better decisions. And, you know, they said, okay, if a situation comes up, go this way, not that way. And I really started to have a better life and make better choices at work and hang around better people. And all these things started to happen. And it was because I was really getting into my spirituality. And so I said, I really want to write a metaphysical, you know, one-on-one book and kind of break down these things for people and kind of give them like a, a workbook or a guidebook. And so I tried to write it and it was awful. And so I put it away for a few years and then I went back and then I wrote a series of seven books. There's seven short stories called seven lessons and they chronicle everything that had happened to me um, during that period in my 20s when I had started to devour everything metaphysical. Um, so that was the reason why I wanted to put it, uh, put pen to paper at that time. Now, these days, I'm writing about, I write about my life too. I write about my dogs. I write about the loss in my life. Um, it's more preserving the memory because I'm 53 and I'll remember, hey, remember when we went to that show in Clearwater? And they said, no, that was in St. Pete. So I'm remembering things, but I'm messing up the details a little bit. And I want to preserve those memories. And of course, my paranormal memories also. So now, I, I, so I'm writing now to sort of preserve um, those memories. So how did you tap into reincarnation specifically for yourself? So a friend of mine at the time, um, craziest birthday gift ever, gave me a certificate for a hypnotic regression. And I didn't know that was a thing. Apparently, you can buy a gift certificate for that um, at that metaphysical academy. And so I'll never forget her name. Hers, Reverend June G. Blitzer was her name. And this sweet woman um, regressed me back. And of course, I had trouble. I'd never done it before. And of course, in my mind, I was just making up things. 
you know, and, and, and so it was hard for me to buy into it, but she was very experienced and she had met that kind of normal opposition, you know, in doubt before. And she really took her time and talked me through it. And I just started to, to drift back. And I was lucky enough to meet um, a psychic who we became very, very close friends very quickly. And we had a shared life together and I was able to get confirmation of who we each were in that life without telling the, uh, the each other. So we would both have separate separate regressions and we'd compare it and it would match. And there were too many details to discount it as coincidence. There's just too many. And believe me, I tried to debunk it. You know, again, that's my that's how I take things in. And um, so I just couldn't get enough of it uh, after that. And seven lessons, the seven short stories, um, I focus on astral projection and all these other things and alien abduction. But the the story that weaves through the books is a huge story of reincarnation of people coming back together over and over and then growing as a result of it. Yeah, yeah, and I've really got uh, here recently the last I don't know four or five months I've really uh, have gotten into the reincarnation and uh, I mean I think like I said I, I've read everything I've looked on YouTube checked out every video it's something that I've really interest, interested in and I. And I've been wanting to do that myself, get, you know, regressed and, and for other reasons too, you know, just to see if there's anything else going on here in my life. You know? but, uh, there's a, the first book I read, and again, I'll never forget it, was Brian Weiss, Dr. Brian Weiss, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters. And he had regressed his, um, hit one of his uh, patients and he, by accident, she went back even further than her childhood. And at first he's like, okay, you're not, you know, there's something's wrong. And then he just, so he basically just documented every time she would go back to her previous life, he would just document it. And little by little, different issues, fears, and, and challenges she had disappeared as a result of going into certain lifetimes where they stemmed from. And again, he presents the book like, this is what happened. I'm not telling you she went to a past life. I'm telling you what she told me. And so you make your own judgment. And I love when people present information like that and say, hey, here's what happened. Right. So, you know, and, you know, that's my filter and my take on it. Um, but I'm not going to tell you how to view this. You know, I'm telling you this is what happened to us. Right. And, and I uh, I can definitely appreciate that view because I do the same thing, with, especially like when someone comes up to me and talks to me about Bigfoot. and They tell me this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. I don't tell that person, well, that's not what happened. You know, yeah. I, I I listen to their story, and you know, and I just kind of take it with a grain of salt sometimes. And uh, you know, I just uh, and you know, and I think it's okay for us to make up our own mind, you know, uh, as to what happened or what didn't happen. You know, I think that's uh, if we do it the right way, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, well, no, and and in some cases everybody can be right because you know forgive me i'm not i'm not huge into the bigfoot phenomenon but i know uh there's a bigfoot in one area but then it's called something else in the cold snowy region right um right that's yeah yeah so yeah. who's to say that this doesn't act like you think and this other one doesn't behave like somebody else had experienced there could be different you know people behave differently so maybe yeah. different bigfoots behave differently but the only thing I can I, I, I I've kind of thought to myself about Bigfoot was they've got to be disappearing into some sort of another dimension or another time space. They they have they have found a way to conceal them that goes beyond greenery. 
in a cave, right? At this point, <laughs> they 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 must be disappearing. Disappearing. They must come into this reality for something, and then they phase out somehow. That's the only thing I can come up with, which kind of makes me think that then they're probably, you know, I don't know, extraterrestrial, or they found portals on Earth where they can disappear into. So that that's the only thing I've really come to to, to think about Bigfoots and make some kind of determination as to what they're about. Yeah, and I certainly have heard people talk about the portals opened up and they seen the Bigfoot walk through, and it's kind of a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But when you hear, you know, several people talk about it, different parts of the country and different parts of the world, you gotta you gotta listen to it. You know, you can't just say oh, you're you know you're crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody's got to be right, right? <laughs> yeah. And 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 it's funny, you know, people in the UFO field they will say they're aliens. People in the paranormal field will say they're paranormal, and people in the Bigfoot world will just say they're flesh and blood creatures, you know. So, uh, and they probably are. Everyone's probably right to a certain extent, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought about that too. You know, are ghost aliens? That's a great question that people have asked quite a bit, and it's it's like, well, if if they're on another plane of existence, you know, the astral plane or whatever you want to call it, just just slightly out of phase with ours, it stands to reason that other beings can exist there as well, right? So maybe sometimes they are humans that passed over, maybe sometimes they're aliens. I don't know. And then maybe Bigfoot can actually take a route through there as well. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on the astral, so I'm not totally sure, but. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll get back to the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever gone on investigations or uh, visited different sites? So I, I have done some of it. I'm not a paranormal investigator. That's not something that I actively did. But um, as it turned out in 1999, um, I bought a home, the one I currently live in. And unbeknownst to us, the previous owner had killed himself in the house, suicide. And guess what? We had a ghost. And from the out of the gate things were happening crazy things and they were they were pretty benevolent for the most part a lot of things going missing um banging on the wall banging on the windows you know blinds being you know smacked by an invisible hand um my dogs you know barking at nothing in a corner um you know that sort of thing crazy dreams um in the beginning and so as i dug deeper into the situation and i wrote about this um i wrote a book called the dead and people had asked me about my previous work, you know, did that stuff really happen to you? And I said, yeah, but I wrote it in a fictional setting. I said, you know what, let me write down everything that happened to me up to this point, which was 2014. I said, everything that's happened to me literally from my perspective. And so I, I basically just journaled my life in the dead. And this story of the house features prominently in that. So it turned out that the, um, the wife had left and he was very distraught. And so after he killed himself, unfortunately, one of the neighbor kids actually found him and they had found an altar set up and there was a lot of strange things, you know, something very much described as like Santeria or voodoo or something along that line, you know, with different objects and, you know, animal parts and things like that. It was very disturbing. And come to find out after having a horrible, I had a demon experience, my first and only to date, um, that he had dabbled in that and that he had actually, so I had a ghost, but he had actually brought forth some sort of demon creature as well. Right. So I was sleeping one night and it was a really weird night. I couldn't get to sleep. I was very anxious and I kept tossing and turning and, and I had my shirt off 
And I laid on my side and I felt two fingers push into my ribs and enough that it rocked my body. All right. So of course I flip out, I've turned over and then I get sleep paralysis. Now I'm frozen and I can see out of the corner of my eye, there's something kind of off to the side and this horribly burned face with yellow eyes and, you know, wiry whiskers. It just sort of reaches over, leans over and he's like inches from my face, just looking at me, like studying me, like, who are you or what are you doing here? And I can kind of see a tail like kind of off behind him. And, and it only happened for a few seconds. And one of his whiskers actually touched my chin. And as soon as he made contact, I was able to move again. And the, he jumped up, I, or I, I jumped up, but it flew out of my room. And as it ran out of my room, it started going towards the front bedroom, which is where the previous owner had killed himself. And as he ran, all the dogs jumped up and started chasing what should have been, you know, of an invisible thing, but I could see it. And it right. ran into the front room and slammed the door behind it. So by the time I caught up, all of my dogs are barking at this closed door. And I'm like, my heart is pounding. I'm like, what just happened? And there's a lot more to the story. Like I said, you can read it in the dead, but that room, I closed the vent. I'm in Tampa, Florida, and it stayed cold in that room. It's, <laughs> no room is cold in Florida unless you're cranking the air and you got the fan in the, uh, and you know that in Texas, right? It's like, yeah, man. It's not it's easy to keep it right now. So, so um, but long story short, I was able to eventually um, pull in the help of a modern day shaman. That's which is what I, what it took um, to banish um, that demon from the house. Okay. And what about the, I guess the, the previous occupant that he hang around? He did not. He finally left. Um, but excuse me, then something strange started to happen. And, and I'd already, I have a friend of mine named Joni Mahan. You may be in, uh, friends with her on Facebook, but very well-known paranormal author and, and, and paranormal investigator in New Harmony, Indiana. And she would always talk about how she'd do these investigations and she'd bring home a hitchhiker and she'd bring home a ghost. And I thought that was crazy. And I was like, well, I don't want to bring anybody home, you know, but then, you know, I was really kind of just working and writing and I wasn't going to places where I might find an attachment, so to speak. And it was funny, not long after that, um, I started to have experiences happen in the house and I would reach out to that uh, shaman friend of mine. And yeah, I, something had gotten through the house. Now I do like a holy water, sea salt barrier outside of the house and, you know, keep the house pretty, you know, positive, but they can get in. Um, I, I mean, the last time I had something significant happen, well, most recently I did, but before that, um, I was looking at a house, I was thinking about moving, and the daughter of the parents who had passed were showing it to us, and it, they had lived in this home for like 60 years, and the, the husband had built like every wooden piece of furniture with his bare hands. This house was these people's essence, and I could feel it, and I was like, this is not me. This, this house belongs to the family. It needs to stay in the family, and I almost said that, but I didn't want to be rude. And, but I remember thinking, you know, that, no, they didn't want me to buy it. And that night, I, you know, I, I went to bed and I got up in the middle of the night and I go to walk in the bathroom and a towel just flies across from the sink to the shower. I mean, it didn't fall to the, it flew across. And I just knew it was this older lady that came home with me to make sure I didn't buy that house. But anyway, yeah. I reached out to my shaman friend and I didn't tell him anything. I said, hey, I had some activity. Can you kind of remotely check it out and clean, cleanse my house? So he sends me a message the next day and he said, yeah, he goes, it was an older lady that was in your house. He goes, but she was harmless. And I was like, and I didn't tell him anything. So it kind of Kind of made me think it's like, so again, I don't know why she came home, but I guess, like I said, just to make sure I didn't go back and buy the house, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a, that's actually kind of sweet, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. I had, it's funny though, in the middle of the night, the towel goes flying and I'm like, okay, just another Tuesday, right? I'm like, okay, I'll just call my shaman friend because that's what you do in a normal world. <laughs> so, real quick, uh, Hatman, are you familiar with, with the Hatman entity? I'm, I've heard of it, but I'm not super familiar with him. No. Oh, he's, he's actually on my poster right behind me, too, Hatman. Uh, up a top middle. Yeah, I've seen pictures okay. before. Right. So I I myself have had an encounter with him. Uh, he came in my room one night. I was maybe 20, 21. Yeah, he came into my room and uh, stood over my bed, scared the hell out of me. Uh, and uh, then he left abruptly. But uh, it was a, it, it's really a long story. But uh, the reason why I was, I was talking about him is because when you talked about moving into the house, uh, it reminded me of a story of, of a friend of mine. He moved into a house where someone had committed suicide, um, but he didn't uh, know about it until he actually moved in. Uh, him and his wife had drove by the house. They saw it. It was up for for rent. It was only a couple of streets away from his father-in-law. So they're like, "Hell, we you know, let's get this house," you know. So they went and they saw them doing remodeling on the kitchen and they walked in there like, hey, whose house is this? We saw the for rent sign and the lady comes out. She goes, it's my house. You know, it belonged to my father. I'm going to have it ready in a couple of weeks. And so my friends like, you know, we, we like the house already. You know, let's, you know, let's work out a deal. So they did. They worked out a deal. The lady said, you know, in a couple of weeks, the house will be ready. Y'all can move in then. They were Him and his wife were like, fine. You know, yeah, we'd love to move in. Two weeks later, they're moving all their stuff in. Neighbor from across the street comes over and says, hey, you got Jack's house. And he's like, I don't know who Jack is. He goes, yeah, Jack was the old man that lived here. You know, he died. And my friend's like, well, you know, we didn't know him, but, you know, we met his daughter. She's the one who rented the house out to us. And he said, yeah, uh, Jack, uh, he was uh, terminally ill. He had cancer and he was done with it. And so he killed himself in the kitchen. He actually shot himself in the head in the kitchen. And that made sense to Richard because uh, my friend, because they were remodeling the kitchen, you know, they were taking out all the cabinets and stuff. So he goes to the cabinets before they put anything up and he finds a hole where they spackled over a hole in the, in the, in the sheetrock. So that night he's, he's, you know, he's trying to scare his wife. He's turning on the lights and turning them off and on saying, Jack's going to get you. Jack's going to get you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so by doing that, I think he invoked, this hat man because after that he said they were seeing this guy walk down the hall he said he was asleep in his room one day and um, he was laying in bed watching tv and he said he saw the guy walk right through past his doorway and i asked him i said was he like a solid figure was he transparent he goes no he goes he looked like a real man like a solid man real tall and he said man i got up and grabbed my shotgun and went through the house nobody was there and it's funny because he actually fell asleep on the couch holding the shotgun. And when his wife got home, she saw him on the couch, you know, asleep on, on, on the, you know, sleep, uh, asleep on the couch with a shotgun in his hand. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he tells her what he saw. And then even after that, uh, he, he would come into work because he used to work nights. He would get off real late at night. He worked the second shift. And uh, his wife and his, their little girl would go wait at her dad's house for him to get home. And, uh, he would see him in like in the kitchen or like in the living room. You could see him through the windows, you know. And then one day, his his little girl wakes up, 
in the middle of the night, like two or three o'clock in the morning, screaming bloody murder. Uh, she was only like four or five years old at the time. And she was laying face first on the floor. She fell out of her uh, of her toddler bed. You know, the toddler beds are only maybe like a foot high off the ground, right? So he gets there and her tooth is like knocked out. He they, 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 they couldn't even find her tooth, but they could see it where it was like ripped. Like the roots came out through her top part of her gum. Oh like it gosh. came out this way, you know? And uh, he finally found it was like 10 feet away from her. He was like, we don't know how that happened. He goes, you know, kids fall down all the time, take terrible spills, and nothing happens to them. And here she is laying face first on the carpet with her tooth 10 feet away from her. You know? Wow. So they think this entity had something to do with that. And then the father-in-law was walking his dog. He had a boxer. He was walking his dog. And as he walked by my friend's street, he looked down, and he saw this guy in a long trench coat with a with a hat all in black looking into my friend's house. He was standing in the street looking at my friend's house. So he walks down to the next street, makes a right to come make a U-turn. And when he comes down uh, my friend's street, the guy's walking away. So him and his dog, and his dog is barking, going, you know, he's going apeship at, at this point too. And his dog doesn't do that either. So when he got down to the street, they saw the guy made a right turn. The guy wasn't even there anymore. It was like the guy disappeared. And uh, yeah, so they didn't stay in that house too much longer. They they wound up getting out of there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. Um, yeah, I didn't know either. I was unloading the U-Haul, and some of the neighbor kids came up on their bikes, and they're like, are you moving in? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, do you know the history of the house? And I'm like, nope. And <laughs> they filled me in. You know, kids love to be the informants. And I'm like, yeah. so I called the realtor, and I said, um, I said, did you know? And she goes, yeah. And I go, you didn't think to tell me? You know, and, and she's like, well, would it have changed your mind? I said, well, you would have gotten less for the house. And unfortunately, in, in Florida, it's not a law that you have to disclose that. Oh, really? And she said, well, legally, I didn't have to tell you. And I said, well, ethically, you might have. Right. Um, but it's funny, when I first looked at the house, it was it had been vacant for four months. So it was really the carpet was dirty and the pool was green and, you know, it was really in bad shape. But, you know, I was like, OK, it's, you know, it's just aesthetics. But in the front bedroom, I remember that the, the carpet was black, just stained black. And that was the room he shot himself in. So when I went when I came back a couple of weeks later and looked at it for a second time and before I bought it, um, they had replaced all the carpet. And I kind of forgot about all that. Um, mm -hmm. But like you said about that hole, there was a hole. Right, I mean, I'm pointing to it because that's the other side of this wall here. But there was a, a little putty hole, and I could put my finger through it. And I was like, "You got to be kidding me! Wow, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's that's really strange." But um, so is this yeah, happening attached to suicides and murders and devastating things like that? Is that when he shows up? I was I was going through a bad time in my life when when he showed up. <laughs> So he kind of probably comes in when things are down and dark and yeah, it, um, it, like like I said, I don't know if he comes as a as a warning. Hey, you know, you need to straighten your ass out or something. You know, <laughs> or, uh, um, you know, I, I I don't know what happened with at my friend's house. You know, if he was responsible for his little girl getting her tooth knocked out, or maybe something else was because they would have like he said the ceiling fans were go like beyond full speed. He said they were just just take off like unbelievably fast. Uh, 
they could plug in like an iron or load or their, their hair dryer and they'd come back to it and be unplugged. Uh, TVs would come on and off, you know. Yeah. Uh, it would just get really, really cold in the house. And they would get mad at each other for turning down the thermostat. And they're like, I'm not doing that, you know. So something was keeping the house really, really cold. And they had a bunch of strange stuff that happened there. So I'm sure that whatever happened was that my friend still to this day, his little girl, she's like, 24, 25. Uh, he still blames himself for all that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He says that, man, if I hadn't been doing that, he thinks he, that he invoked something there at the house by playing around. <laughs> yeah. I um, I messed around with a Ouija board during all of that stuff that was going on in the house, and which at the time was sounded like a great idea. So, you know, <laughs> I learned my lesson with that, but I had something pretty terrifying happen. I, um, one day I was like, okay, my buddy came over, we're going to the gym. And so I grabbed the Ouija board out of um, the dresser and he was like, what are you doing with that? I said, I'm gonna get rid of it. I said, there's weird stuff happening. I said, I'm blaming the Ouija board, you know, I'm done with it. And so we literally drove to the gym and there was one of those donations, you know, that have like a very small opening, you know, you could put in just clothes or shoes and right, I slid right. it in there and I go, there you go. And the next day, same thing, came home from work, buddy came over for the gym and before he got there i had opened up the dresser drawer and it was back in my drawer and i took it out and i set it on the dining room table and i just was staring at it and when he came over he goes i thought you got rid of that and i go thank you because i thought i was losing my mind so it, it came back so we had to switch gears and then um then it, it got burned in the backyard um at that point so it, it didn't come back after that thank god yeah you know and i've heard stories about that how like People will throw away the Ouija board and it comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not like, I'm like, no. And then that, that really told me that there was something, there was some sort of attachment to it. And I just, I didn't think it didn't feel healthy. I didn't want anything to do with it. Plus, you know, here I was having, there's, you know, a disembodied spirit. There's, you know, a demon running around. <laughs> what am I doing? Opening another portal with the Ouija board? How could that be a good yeah. idea? Right. Yeah. That's funny. So do you have any abilities, psychic abilities or mediumship? Um, so I'm, I'm the short answer is no, but I dream like there's no tomorrow. And I often will have prophetic dreams that tell me what's coming up very soon. But they're usually dreams about something very important. And they'll actually show me acting one way in, a, in the outcome and then another way and the other outcome. So I, and I'm not sure that, so I would say, no, I don't have abilities, but I have opened myself up to my spirit guides or whoever wants to give me a message. I am open to that. So I work very hard to stay connected and really look for the signs. And they're really good about using songs and license plates and things like that to give me some pretty clear messages. So we, we've kind of created a shorthand over the years, like as I was songs and license plates and other things um, to get their message across. But um, but I, I did read tarot for a while and I was able to tune into people, but it was mostly, I couldn't get detail. I couldn't get time. Time was never something that, you know, I, I could nail down. Um, you know, I could see male or female or, you know, a, a job, but I couldn't get any specifics or things like that. And um, it takes a lot of energy, I think, unless you're already gifted. And I was more interested in putting on my regression tapes and, and going back into a past life. That was that I was passionate about that. So I really didn't have a lot of passion to be a reader. How about you? 
Yeah, I actually, um, I just got into like Oracle cards last, you know, four or five months. I've got like three sets of Oracle cards. Uh, and like you, man, I, I recently just opened myself up over about the last two years. I started meditating or opening myself up to, you know, my spirit guides and, um, and I've gotten really, really good at it. And they've gotten really good at communicating with me. And like you said, just the weirdest. I don't look at a bird pooping on my car as a sign. You know, I'm not like that. But I see stuff and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, this yeah. is, I, I'm doing the right thing or I'm doing the wrong thing. Or, you know, this is definitely a message. And, and like, it's, you know, I think songs have a, have a lot to do with it. Uh, yep. Certain visualizations i guess you could say you know i'll see stuff imagery you know uh, owls have become really really big here lately even snakes um, and uh, I, I, I take them as positive signs when i see them and i think they let me know that i'm on the right track when i see these owls and snakes and uh, they're i see them everywhere i go now and, and i don't think it's a it's a coincidence no yeah. you know it's funny you say owl because i had I was I was going through some stuff. I wasn't sure what direction to go to, and so I said, "Hey, I need a sign. Am I am I being smart doing this? You know, is this the smart path?" I think is how I worded it exactly. Okay. And I've lived in this house since '99, and there's you know hawks and wildlife, but I had never seen an owl, and until that night, and I haven't seen one since. But I went out to the backyard, let the dogs out, and this owl was maybe 15 feet above me in a palm tree. And it was, you know, the, the brown Florida owls are just massive. I mean, they're two, two and a half feet tall. They're huge and they got giant heads. And this thing was just sitting there staring at me. And I was like, good Lord. And it flew, it sat there for a little bit. And then it dropped in the, and its wings caught the air. And I could feel the air on me from the wings flapping. But, but the point is, it's like, you know, the wise bird. And I was like, right. I got my answer. And so, I've, like I said, I've really learned to look. And another thing my guides do is, and I find it interesting, and I'm not sure if it was a lesson for me. It probably was. But, you know, to me, it's like, you know, I, I guess when I was younger, if you didn't have experiences or, you know, I'm not going to say credentials, but if I didn't think you knew what you were talking about, I wouldn't really pay attention to what you were saying. And that's wrong because everybody's got their own experiences and their own everybody's got something to a different perspective that they can add to, you know, everything that's happening. And so I started to get messages from the most unlikely sources, you know, a stranger or a child, you know, that someone I would normally dismiss is not really paying attention to them. Um, but that would get those messages um, from them and, and they would be very pertinent and make sense and resonate with me. And so I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And so working in retail for many years, you know, you come into contact with a lot of people, that, you know, right. it's a quick brush, right? So I've learned to pay attention over the years when someone stops me and talks to me, I, I really stop and kind of give them my attention because I'm not sure if there's a nugget there that I'm supposed to get. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know what? And uh, I, I've always been that same way. I, I could be in an elevator, just going from one floor to the next floor and someone will be in there with me and he'll tell me their whole life story, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get up to the next floor. You know, yeah. they'll tell me everything, you know. I'd be at the grocery store and, you know, somebody would stop me and just talk to me or doctor's office, wherever, and just tell me everything. And I'm like, okay. And I used to kind of like let it go in one ear, not the other, you know. But now I listen to a lot more because, like you said, there might be something in there that I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to listen to, you know. I'm supposed to hear. 
You know, and at the very least, if it's somebody who doesn't get a lot of human contact and they're really enjoying their outing and they just want to talk to somebody because they don't have a lot of people to talk to, then, you know, how's it going to kill me to go from floor three to seven and listen to a, <laughs> listen to a little bit of their life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate that. You know, not, not just trying to see if there's something in it for me, but I, I guess what is in it for me is I get to listen to someone else's story, you know, yeah. and, and uh, it, sometimes it's fun. A lot, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I get a kick out of it. And I really like listening to older people talk, you know. Uh, I, I think there's that, uh, that, that little stigma that old people just talk, when I was your age, Sunday, this is what, what I was doing, right? But really, when you listen to someone older talk, it's like you're going back in time and you're like, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's yeah. really cool. And I wish sometimes these older people would write their stories down and put them in a book, you know, or something. Yep. And, and like I said, I started to, to, to mess up my details a little bit. And, you know, my mother passed um, it, 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 around the time. And so, okay, now I really got to get all this da- done. So I wrote a book um, called Two's Company, Three's a Pack, because it, it basically, the main story is I had two dogs for three years of life was fine. And then I got a third and it became a pack. And suddenly they all wanted to be in charge. And it was this constant battle of alpha dogs. And it really, it, it was, it's, it's told in a humorous way, but these poor dogs, you know, they, they never seriously hurt each other, but they, they had their moments. Um, but in, in between all of that, my mother passed and I learned a lot. I was in the pet industry and I was actually a regional manager in charge of dog training and grooming. So I was really immersed in the animal world for a long time. And I learned a lot from the dynamic of two dogs going to three dogs, different breeds, you know, a different upbringing and that sort of thing, because they were all rescues. So they all came with a little bit of a history as well. And so it was just very interesting. um, But, you know, they brought immense love to the house. And of course, when they passed, it was this devastating moment yet. We keep doing it over and over. But um, but anyway, I, I got that book out and, and I was able to also thank the people in my life who were there during those devastating moments and really rallied around me. And so um, I have never read it since I wrote it. Um, I'll probably read it many, many years down the road, but I'll probably remember fondly. But a lot of my mother's memories are preserved in there to make sure I didn't forget those after her passing. So yeah, I, anybody who's you know got experiences they don't want to forget it, it, you know, none of my books have been a New York bestseller. It's okay, but they're going to be an, an amazing reference for me. You know, in a few years, you know, when I'm I'm old and gray. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, were you close with your mom? Yeah, I was very close with my mother actually. So um, she had actually gone through a major surgery, and I was her caretaker at the end there. So unfortunately, uh, my mother passed in my house, um, which was pretty devastating. And you know, I was the one that found her. So that was. Um, yeah, that was a pretty tough week. And, but my, um, you know, my family and, and my friends and everybody really rallied together. And, and I don't remember much about the week. Um, but there was a lot of tough times afterward because, and it, this is a crazy, and I wrote about this because it was very strange to me. I said, wait a minute, has my mother passed on? Did she become a ghost? You know, what is, it, I mean, are these weird things went into my head, right? Because there are ghosts. And, and, I, and I, I needed to know she was at peace. That was like my driving force for a long time. Is my mother at peace? And 
because I had dreams, but they didn't make sense. Suddenly my dreams got warped and weird. And of course, when you're that close to something, it's hard to be objective, right? If I dreamed about somebody else's family, I could tell you what happened, but it was my own. So I was misinterpreting it or over-interpreting it. It was very tough for me. And so I had an amazing experience. Um, I, I come home from, I'm at the gym and I'm kind of telling my workout partner all my crazy thoughts about it and god love him he just listened to me he didn't know what to say but he was cool about it but i get home and i let the dogs outside and there's no one else here there's no tv there's no radio it is complete silence and i take out my phone and i was going to send him a quick quick text and say hey thanks for listening you know to my nonsense i appreciate it or whatever and i hit the um record to text and as soon as it beeped it beeped off and I said, okay, it's done that before. And But when I went to hit it again, I looked at the screen. And in that millisecond, it had recorded two words, mom, good. And I was like, I got my message. I got my confirmation. And I was able to release, I don't know, I, I probably crumbled at the time. I, I just released this amount of worry and stress. Right. And it was the most amazing gift. And I don't know. If my mother was at peace, you know, how could she send it? It probably wasn't her. Somebody sent it to me. Somebody let me know that, hey, this is something you don't need to worry about. Give your energy to something else. And um, so that was an amazing experience I had. Yeah. Um, I spent a long time uh, guilty about my dad passing. And I always felt him around. And I think that's why he was always around telling me you don't need to be guilty about it, you know. Um, because the morning that uh, that he passed, he was he was in a hospice, and I uh, he was he was right down a, uh, the street from my job, like five minutes down the street. And I was running late to work that morning, and I was like, "Man, do I go see my dad?" Because I would always go see my dad in the morning before I go to work. But I woke up late, and uh, and I was gonna make that right turn. I said, "You know what? I'm already late to work. I just, I, I gotta go to work." So I went to work, and then he wound up passing away that morning. And I was so yeah. mad about that. So I always felt like you know I should have been there because because he you know he was alone when you know when he passed, but uh, I think I think he, he that was just him telling me because I beat myself up for it for a long 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 time for years. He, it's been ten years since he passed, and um, I've just recently within the last couple of years you know kind of got over that. And I think he was always around trying to tell me to quit beating myself up about it. You know? I'm sorry. But, you know, you, you 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 watch a lot of these shows with mediums and psychics and they talk to people that have passed over and, and they'll say, you know, a lot of people said, you know, they said I wasn't able to say goodbye. And they said they didn't wait for you because they didn't want you to see them. They didn't want that to be the last memory. You know, there, right. was, there was a wonderful memory. and they, they knew you wanted to preserve that memory as opposed right. to, you know, seeing them in that deteriorated, you know, unhealthy state or whatever and so i think sometimes things work out that way and that you know it was better to go that way i don't know i don't know i just yeah. unfortunately like i said don't get a whole lot of communication once they they pass over yeah I, i'll tell you a pretty cool story i actually moved outside of san antonio in 2017 i moved out there for a couple of years and uh like i said i just always can tell when my dad's around and i always just feel it and one day I was throwing some clothes downstairs to my daughter to throw in the washing machine for me. And there's a light switch, which is like arm's length away from me. And it clicked on and the light came on in the, in the hallway. And I kind of lifted up the light switch. And I was like, damn, that, you know, I said, that was, I said, that was dad. You know, that's who it was. That's who turned the light on. It had to be my dad. So like I said, I lived up there for a couple of years and 
I came back home to Houston, moved back here, and I was at my mom's house, and I was telling my mom, yeah, you know, I think dad, dad followed me to San Antonio to keep an eye on me, make sure I was doing okay. And uh, I started telling her that same story about the light switch. And as, I, as soon as I finished that story, the light switch in the kitchen came on. It just flicked on. <laughs> yeah. And my mom, my mom was, you know, she was standing on, uh, you know, in my mom's uh, living room. She's got a bar that connects to the kitchen. She was sitting on the bar looking at me as I'm talking. I'm leaning on the sink in the kitchen and the light switch flicks on. You just, just comes right on. The light comes wow. on. And my mom was like, yep, that was your dad. I said, yeah, that was him. You know, and I, I think when you when someone passes, we all, at least now, especially now that I've had a wonderful moment after they pass, telling me that, hey, they're there and, you know, and they're okay. It's like, you know, I think I want that every time somebody passes in my life. Now I expect it. I'm like, so I tell my friends, I'm like, when you go, you, I got to have something. I don't care what yeah. it is, but you better make something flip around or drop something. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Figure it yeah, out. Cause, yeah, because I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you I'm going to do it. Yeah, we better do, you know, if you're into the paranormal, you really should do something spectacular when you pass because they yeah, expect oh, yeah. it of us, right? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will try to make it as spectacular as possible. <laughs> So your book right there behind you, Ghost Crimes, what is that? What, what is that about? So the I, I told you I wrote the first series of books and seven lessons um, that chronicled my metaphysical journey. Um, and I wrote it in a, in a fictional narrative. Um, so I, I wrote a book called Ghost Crimes um, back in 2018. And it was based on actual cases. And what had happened was um, I had some experiences where my neighbors had some demonic activity when I was very young. But I remember hearing the stories. And so I guess it's inspired is a better word. You know, based means, you know, that it was, I mean, the neighbors all knew that it happened. The police showed up and the mother had really done some crazy things. And it was, that was documented. But um, it started to get me thinking about first responders and you know, EMTs and firefighters and police and detectives and sheriffs and all these folks that, you know, put their lives on the line for us. And um, they go out and, and they run into these cases. And there's always not not always an explanation as to why someone was hurt or murdered. Um, and someone may say it wasn't me, it was a ghost, you know, and of course that's crazy. Um, but the more I, I dug into it, I realized that when police cases are written, um, there's actually, there's there's a code that they use for the case number. And one number will be like the state, the city, the county, the type of crime, murder, whatever. Um, but there's actually a code for a paranormal element to the case. And I thought that was very interesting. In Florida, I think it was 10. And so I reached out to, I did a, a, a blanket search of first responders. And I said, have you guys had any experiences that you want to share? And I was bombarded, you know, with here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to me again, not saying it was a ghost, not saying it was a demon, but this is what happened. I can never explain it. And most of them didn't report that part of what had gone down. You know, they just said, Hey, here's the scene. I'm not going to share anything. But there was one um, the retired detective who said, look, I had stuff happen and I didn't want it to happen. But damn it, if it didn't just keep happening, it's like every other case was like paranormal. And he goes, what is this? He never had an interest. He didn't believe in it, but it kept happening. And unfortunately, they were pretty horrific as well. So I took those stories and, and again, took the, bait, the, the crux of them. And then I wrote um, Ghost Crimes, which is six cases um, where um, Detective Burke is the main character. And he's just so unreluctantly is experiencing these paranormal cases. 
and they're tied into, you know, unfortunately, children being hurt and some other things. And it's not too dark, um, but it does have its dark moments. And he's battling his own demons from his loss in the past. So he's, 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 and he's socially awkward on top of it. So he's really a hard luck case. So I brought in some reinforcements. There's a second detective in the book. Um, and then I brought some other folks in there to support him. And the book did really well. And again, it was my nod to the, uh, to the, um, first responders who have to go home and go, I don't know what to make of what just happened. You know, people will tell you that they walked in and saw somebody being flung from wall to wall by an invisible hand. There's no one else in the room, but they don't go back and report that, you know, nobody wanted to be the spooky molder, you know, <laughs> of the time. And so, um, so anyway, the, the book did really well. I wrote that. And then I really just fell in love with the characters and I still had all these stories left over from, you know, from the first responders. So I published uh, Ghost Crimes 2 last year and I added a, an element to it. So I continued the story of the main characters, um, but I gave them a counseling, um, sort of like an AA meeting, but it's for first responders or nurses or just anybody in that field that's helping people that experience um, some sort of paranormal experience and they don't know who to talk to. And so I gave them that. And that's how I was able to kind of pepper the story with all these experiences that may not necessarily tie into the main story all that well. Some of them did, but at least I was able to get those stories out there and really tell some of the things that these folks experience. Yeah. 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 You know what? That's uh, I like that a lot. I like, I like that you incorporate that. And, you know, my personal experiences, nurses have some great paranormal stuff. You know? Yeah. I got a couple of nurse responses and I, uh, and a friend of mine, his wife's a nurse, and you know she used to work the uh, overnight shift, so she had all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So where can people find your books if they're interested? So all my books are available on Amazon.com, and they're also on Audible. So if you uh, prefer to listen to your books. <clears throat> like I said, I, I really have a lot of respect for these folks um, that they leave their home and they put their life on the line for strangers, right? And they right. leave their families behind and, and especially, you know, the folks in the military. So um, I wrote a book called Haunted Tampa, and it basically talks about the haunted buildings and um, businesses in Tampa throughout the years. And most of them are located in our Ybor City district. And, you know, it was just a fun book to write. And it didn't take a lot. It was more of a book report because, you know, it wasn't like, you know, adding my skills to it so much. So all the proceeds of the sales of that go to the Wounded Warrior uh, Project. So I, I, I push the book pretty heavily here in Tampa and um, to support those folks. So every month you'll see that post on my Facebook page. So if anybody wants to check it out, I'm on Facebook at Gare Allen and also Instagram. Same thing, Gare Allen. So what do you have coming up for yourself? Are you have any projects you're working on? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so I've decided that Ghost Crimes would make an amazing Netflix series. So I'm writing a screenplay. I'm converting it to a screenplay. Um, and I actually wrote the outline for Ghost Crimes 3 for the book. So um, I'm in the process of those two projects on top of a full-time job. Um, but I'm really excited because I really, like I said, I really think that um, it would make a, a good Netflix series and, and maybe a movie, but I'd really prefer to see it as a series because of the development of the characters. I've had a lot of fun with them. Um, and I think, uh, I think it would be very enjoyable. Right. Yeah, man, that would be really cool to see it come out on, on Netflix. I think movies now aren't what they used to be unless they're the big blockbusters like the you know the avengers and some of the other marvel movies and dc movies um movies aren't what they used to be you know um uh, and i think that has a lot to do with streaming so i think that's where everything's at now streaming um, yeah 
you know, I can't remember the last movie I went to go see. And I used to be a big movie bus, uh, buff prior to COVID. And the last movie, I can't remember what was the last movie I went to go see. And it was, it was right when they started reopening everything, so I went to go see it. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I've started to go back, but to be honest with you, I prefer to watch my movies at home. Unless it's something that has to be big screen, like I, you got to right. see the Avengers on the big screen, right? right. I mean, it's right. just too big of a movie to watch at home, so I'll watch it again at home later. But initially, I got to see it on the big screen. But the last movie I saw was the most recent Jurassic Park, and I was disappointed because it it just didn't have what all the other ones had. It was, right. and there was so much going on because they brought the old cast and the new cast together, and it was two and a half hours long, so they had time to do it, but it was really a week weak story and again i don't mean to be a writer snob but it just it, there was it wasn't clever you know like some of the past ones and um so i was really disappointed um but before that i had seen the doctor strange so i collected marvel comics as a kid so i'm a marvel nerd so um then of course spider-man before that and those were amazing well yeah 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 the spider-man's were good but i don't I, the last time i saw a spider-man movie was toby mcguire in in the theater yeah yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't even. I didn't even see the other ones, and 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 I think the other ones were were just as good, if not better. But uh, yeah, I saw those. I saw the first. Uh, what was it? Infinity Wars. I saw that at a drive-in in New Bronzeville, Texas. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't remember the last movie I went to go see. But uh, my son keeps telling me, you know, I need to go see Doctor Strange. I need to go see. You know, Thor, Love and Thunder, which I'm like, I'm a fan of that stuff. I just haven't had a chance to go to them. I don't know if I want to go to the theaters anymore. I've got, yeah, I, I got tickets for Thor for tomorrow afternoon. Um, okay. So I like to go in the afternoon when it's not busy. And then I, I always go mm -hmm. see it. It's not IMAX. What is the other one? Oh, Dolby. So I see it in Dolby okay. um, because you can actually get your own seat. You can uh, you can pick your seat. Um, and they're, yeah. they're kind of vinyl. So you can clean it if you want to with a wipe again, and if you're post-COVID concerned, <laughs> you know, it's not cloth. So you can kind of do a nice little sanitization of it. <laughs> Did you see the latest Batman? With, uh, what's his, what's you know, I name? didn't. And, and, and I hate to say it, but I, it's, it's like, there's one Batman story. It's like the same thing over his and i know his origin and its origin has been told so many times i guess i'm just tired of it you know and i hate to say yeah. that because i love comic books but and i don't know so no I, I didn't give it a shot i'm sure it's wonderful but i didn't watch it yeah my uh people that i know tell me that it's wonderful i tried to watch it i couldn't get past the first 30 minutes yeah, it's, it's it's not the batman no why not I, I just thought it was boring i thought it was so boring and so long and so slow I just didn't like it. I didn't even like yeah, the lights. Yeah, I, like I said, it's the Batman. The same thing with Superman, really. Superman's been told that same story over and over. You know, it's like, ugh, I don't know, I'm just tired of it, I guess. Yeah. Which I'm glad they got away from with the Spider-Man. They, they quit telling how he became Spider-Man. You know, they just went straight to the storyline. So, you know, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, that was, I was like, okay, I know how he became Spider-Man. He got bitten by a spider. Quit showing us that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Awkward teenager, Mary Date. Okay, we got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get to some action. But I, I, I like the Spider-Man movies, and I like the 
I actually like the Wolverine movies too. Wolverine was my favorite comic growing oh. up. I really enjoyed the X-Men movies and the Wolverine especially was amazing, but they did a really good job with the X-Men movies for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, uh, uh, coming up at the end of the hour, anything you want to say to the folks, uh, any words of wisdom you want to part? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, things are so crazy right now in the world. Um, you know, lots to be down about, lots to get frustrated or even angry about for sure. Um, you know, and we just, you know, I, I got to do it to myself. I got to check myself. You know, some days I, you know, I have a, a, a great job and I get to work from home and I have time to, you know, write, which is my passion. And I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I have uh, rescue dogs that are amazing. And, you know, there's so many, someone said to me one time, you know, when I was complaining, you know, about God knows what, and they said, you know, look to your blessings. And, you know, it, it, they said it at the right time because I realized how I was choosing to be negative. And yes, there are things that are bad out there, but I was choosing to really be negative. And, you know, Facebook is a lot of fun. We, you, you know, you have to have humor. You have to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at everything, you know, and it's, you know, the jokes, you know, the great memes about the, the price of gas. It's like, yes, it hurts. I get it. You know, <laughs> it, it is, when you fill up, it hurts. But we, we got to have fun with it because it's a reality, right? So you got to kind of find that positive spin and keep your energy up. And I think, you know, if for nothing else, when you're negative, I think you allow yourself to allow, you know, sickness in and, you know, and that's not good. We don't want that. So, you know, we're all out here doing our thing, you know, being us and, and pursuing our passions. And that's why I love podcasts because we can share different cities, different perspectives, different interests, but we're all under the same umbrella, right? You know, we're all doing our thing. And so it's a lot of fun. So just stay positive as much as you can. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a that's a good point, especially you talked about, you know, uh, if you're negative all the time, you know, you, you don't allow yourself to grow, you know, and if anything, you, you, you wilt away and you become bitter and you're no fun to be around, and, you know. Yeah, and, and there's a... I had a channeling session one time and, you know, this disembodied spirit is talking to me and a very interesting experience, but um, they said that in the spiritual world, like attracts like. So what you put out there comes back to you. Right. So you're putting out positivity, you'll get positivity back. And I have a thunderstorm here and my power just went out. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, maybe, hey, maybe that's a sign. Hey, there's <laughs> your, a... <laughs> your spirits are like, Hey, don't be giving away these secrets. <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, was, I was waiting for my power to go out we actually got thunderstorms rolling through here too but uh okay cool man um thanks for coming on the show man i really appreciate it we gotta have you on again dude uh I, yeah i would love to talk more about the channeling stuff if your spirits will let you do that <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much joe i appreciate the invite we'll definitely uh hook up again together uh yeah. soon so thank you so much yeah, and if you want to drop the links for your books, and uh, I'll share them. Awesome, appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, guy. All right, hey everyone, thanks a lot for joining, and I uh, appreciate it. And we will see you guys next week. And uh, you have a good night, Gary. All right, thanks, Joe. Bye bye.